and back. We're talking Slayer. It's what we do. It's all we do, mostly. This week, wrapping in is what's happening. Merry Christmas. Happy Christmas. Happy Holidays. Merry DXmas. Episode 35 arrives a little bit early this week in case you're traveling. You're welcome. Today's topic is the 2007 tour with Marilyn Manson. What was that scene like? I'll tell you. And Slayer's second, second Grammy win. This is an unusual episode. This is a different episode. It's a short one, even though you get two chapters. One of them is an unusual chapter. Because I try to give you something different here and there when you're reading 300 pages. You know what you can do if you want more? Go over to patreon.com slash slayerbook and subscribe. If you do that, which you can do for like three bucks a month, you get the entire run of the show. We're talking episodes about the South of Heaven album and the tour. In fact, that's where most of the album chapters episodes tend to be in the subscriber-only feed. You also get important details like the full dramatic story about how and why Dave Lombardo left the band the second time. All kinds of stuff. Patreon.com slash book. If you like Christmas and you dig this show, then check out the show notes, and I'll link to some other podcasts where I talk about Xmas movies, some dark, some fun and traditional. And I will link to some other stuff you can listen to on your holiday commute, like the Thrash Metal Show, which you will definitely like if you like my stuff. Merry Holidays. Thank you for stopping in. We'll talk soon. Let's do this. Chapter 40. Manson Tour 1. Louder Than Hell. This is a Slayer Manson show review that I filed following the Cleveland show at what at the time was called the Time Warner Cable Amphitheater at Tower City, summer 2007. Here it goes. Last night, Slayer, Marilyn Manson show killed, of course. Like half the audience, your duly designated representative did not stick around for Manson. If you've seen Slayer before, they were as good as they always were. In fact, they were more revved up than usual. Maybe it was the lingering energy from the orange full moon two nights before, or maybe it's because Slayer are, in fact, fueled by Satan. Their massive video projection backdrop, we're talking flying pentagrams and pictures of Christ in various stages of decomposition and torture, suggested the latter. Here's what the set list was. The intro was Metal Storm on tape, then Flesh Storm, War Ensemble, Chemical Warfare, Ghosts of War, Jihad, Cult, Disciple, Bitter Peace, Payback, South of Heaven, Raining Blood, Hell Awaits, Mandatory Suicide, and Angel of Death. Following are some scenes from the massacre. 4.15 p.m. It is hot as hell, and it's bright as hell, too. It's a nice day for a concert. The opening act, Bleeding Through, is not scheduled to start until 7. Slayer fans, however, do not fuck around. They're lined up already. 
Do you think the seal song crazy cannot be deafening? Well, it can when it's being played at full blast over the Tower City Amphitheater sound system, and there are not 4,000 hot bodies to soak up all the sound. It's echoing all over the place and crashing through your brain. At the right volume, adult contemporary hits from the 90s can kill you, or make you wish you were dead. Seal, not Slayer, is the devil's music. Here's a quick description of some of the fans. Lots of guys in camo hats. Girls with pink hair and big black boots that ride all the way up their calves. Guys in dreads. Note to all the balding guys with dreadlocks. Let it go, man. Let it go. 4.30 p.m. Sweat is rapidly washing black and white makeup off the Manson kids. More notes on the crowd. Many girls in black corset dresses, pink fishnets, and high-heeled boots. Girls at heavy metal shows did not used to look this good. 4.38. The Manson family outnumber the Slayer cult. But, but, one dude in an original 1986 Rain and Blood tour shirt can easily take out ten Hot Topic shoppers. If some kind of prison riot shit goes down between the two disparate fan bases, it will not last long. Slayer will win. 4.44 p.m. Apropos of nothing, some guy yells the first fucking Slayer of the night. Many more will follow. 5.20 p.m. Spotted. The first shirtless, puking, apparently underage kid with a slipknot tattoo across the base of his neck. Many more will follow. 8.05 p.m. As promised, Slayer take the stage like an occupying force to the canned sound of one of the songs from their debut, 1983's Show No Mercy. Don't think I'm a poser for forgetting which song it was. The concert melted my brain and the brains of at least half the people there. Then the band launched into Flesh Storm, one of many songs about war, atrophy, black magic, and or assorted forms of bloodshed we'll hear tonight. This four-fifths full tent is so packed that there is not much room for a pit. Just a massive crush of bodies pressed against other bodies. Lift up your feet and you will not fall. Just like every other Slayer show for the last 20 years. 8.15 or thereabouts. Gray smoke wafting around them like battlefield fumes. Slayer launch into a double shot of war songs. Chemical Warfare and its sort of sequel, Ghosts of War. Lucifer himself would be intimidated, or at least impressed. Tattooed from his fingertips to his skull, bald guitarist Kerry King is raging, pulling his guitar back and forth across his body like a warlock furiously trying to kickstart his broom. 8.25 p.m. Appropriately, it is goddamn loud. A coterie of Manson fans are hiding on the far side of the vibrating concessions building where the ear-pulverizing volume is slightly less toxic. Back on the road between Tower City Mall and the amphitheater, a line of thrifty fans are watching from outside the chain-link fence. Their cochleas are probably bleeding too. 
You can see the right outfield walls of Jacobs Field, that's the Cleveland baseball ballpark, from this venue. If the stadium collapses any time in the next year, Slayer's sound man may be sued, and the plaintiffs will have a solid case. I shit you not. People across the lake in Erie, in Canada, can hear payback. 8.35 p.m. In a steady haze of red smoke, Slayer are playing so loud, they're actually making the sun go down. The sound is echoing off surrounding brick buildings, killing trees. On the immediately adjacent Cuyahoga River, topless multi-tier boats and rowing crews float by. Aside from the whole soundtrack to the total and complete devastation thing, it's quite a cosmopolitan scene. Down the block, the encroaching metal is probably making some poor saps at the Cheryl Crow concert pee themselves. This point bears repeating. The mighty Thor himself could not handle two full hours of this volume. It's a good thing that Slayer is scheduled for a 70-minute set. 8.50. Raining Blood, one of the two best metal songs in the history of the multiverse. Strobe lights fill the tent like deadly lightning, and Dave Lombardo's rolling double bass is a thunderous apocalypse. If this is what the end of the world will be like, bring it on. I bet it won't be as loud. 8.55. South of Heaven. A satanic dirge. The human tidal wave roars back and forth. Drop a piece of coal in the crowd and it will come out a diamond. If the sound does not blow it to pieces. 9.10. Angel of Death slays. Still raining. This show is brought to you by my books and also by generous supporters, including but not limited to No Friender from the Thrash Metal Show, Eric Gagiolo, Matt the English Bulldog, Chris, a.k.a. Bruno San Martino Rules, which is factually true, Michael P., Frank T., Mark Evans, Ian T., Treblico, Treblico, Ian, thanks for listening, Andy, my man, Craig Bringman, good dude, Jason Wood, Jim H., James Ray, Chris Porter, Howard H. Smith of Acid Rain and Talking Bullocks, David Jones, hey, thank you a lot, sir, appreciate you, Vince Stigma Bloom, you continue to be the best, Dave Mack, Daryl's Whammy Bar, Metal Matt Hinch, Metal Ryan Dussault, Metal Paul the Animal Kellett, Metal Jim Haworth, Metal Vagard Fawson, hey, Gino, Patrick, Ross, we know you're out there. We see you. Thank you. You guys are making the show happen. Buy some books. You can help too. Appreciate it. Chapter 41. Big Winners. Again. The Christ Illusion Tour wrapped in early September 2007. 2008 was not a big year for the band, but it was something to write home about nonetheless. In 2007, July, less than a year after the initial album drop, Slayer released an expanded reissue of Christ Illusion, this time with new artwork not by Larry Carroll. That's a weird move. 
and two more tracks on it. They replaced Black Serenade with an alternate version and added a new track called Final Six. Final Six was basically following the Spill the Blood template. You get a clean intro and a slow riff. They give way to the same bumpy groove that runs through the rest of the record. At the time, Final Six was a unique entry in Slayer's catalog. Not only did Hanneman and Araya co-write the lyrics, after 25 years in the band, the singer received his first music composition credit. The two new tracks, or one new track and a replacement alternate version, pushed the album length to 11 songs and 45 minutes. Araya proved to be the band's lucky rabbit foot. The new song netted the group its third Grammy nomination, once again for Best Metal Performance. And then a year after Slayer's near-infinitely improbable Grammy win, the band scored another. Beaming, Araya humbly accepted the award. He thanked Rick Rubin, his family, the band's manager, and most of all, the fans. Immediately after the win, Arias said, The industry is great, but the fans are the ones that take the time to look you up to see what you're doing, wait for the record to come out, and buy it. End quote. Stepping aside for a moment of commentary here, for my money, this is the literal significance of Slayer's Grammy wins. It's not that it gives the band legitimacy. It's not that it means they're any better. It's not that it means they've made it. But here, for my money, is what a Grammy win represents. For the popular genres, for the music that constitutes new hotness, it is a moment of recognition. And similarly, it's the same thing even for niche genres. But when you're talking metal, that kind of thing, what a Grammy win represents is the fact that the group has become a recognizable name. Now, the Grammy voters are better informed and more diverse than they used to be, but it's still not the hippest crowd, not for metal, this thing of ours. So, way back in the day when Metallica infamously lost to Jethro Tull, it's not because Jethro Tull made a better hard rock metal album, it was because the old farts that voted on Grammys back in the day recognized Jethro Tull. They had, over the years, over the decades, many decades, become a recognizable name, even if you don't know what their new record sounds like. And Slayer eventually became that recognizable name that was synonymous with credible, very intense, quality metal. So Slayer went in the Grammys, that's what it meant. People knew who Slayer were. People who were vaguely aware of music, the players in the game, recognized Slayer as a thing. So do we, every day. The Grammy win, Grammy wins, are a recognition. Then the talk gave way to silence. But come summer 2008, that silence made way for rock. The band played European festivals for a month. Age was inevitably settling in on the band. Araya, then 47, hinted that he was getting ready for retirement. He was talking at the time to Joel McIver, fellow Slayer biographer, wrote a book, 
check it out. It's a good one. The Bloody Reign of Slayer. At the time, McIver was writing four thrash hits, and Araya told him, Seeing a man of 50 headbanging on stage would make me cringe. If I was watching that, I'd think, Dude, you're a little too old for that, aren't you? You're going to fall off. End quote. Araya would not be headbanging much longer, but the band would not end anytime soon. This is 2008, of course. Slayer had another 11 years ahead of them. At the time, gray strands were infiltrating Hanneman's hair, as they were with Araya, but it suited them well. The bearded Araya looked like a wise wizard, and Hanneman like a veteran Viking. More than ever, Hanneman was feeling his battle scars. Playing was not easy for Hanneman, but he did it, though he gradually reduced and removed intricate parts and simplified his playing, like eliminating the finger-tapping in Seasons in the Abyss. As always, Jeff's preferred self-medication was beer, either Coors Light or Heineken. His wife Catherine tried her best to talk him into minimizing his drinking, Sometimes he would dry out for months, but then eventually the wet periods never stopped. Hanneman's drinking took a turn for the worse this year, 2008, when Jeff's dad died. Hanneman had felt neglected as a kid. His father, who had been a World War II veteran, was around 40, and he had four other kids by the time Jeff came along, but they had become closer later in life. After Hanneman's father passed, his disposition in general took a turn for the worse. In October and November, Slayer spent a month reenacting their latest live DVD, Unholy Alliance, in Europe. The trek raged from Spain to Russia, starring management stablemates Slayer and Mastodon, with melodic metalists Trivium and Viking Heshers Amon and Marth in tow. Unholy Alliance was Slayer Incorporated's attempt to launch an OzFest-style recurring tour with a super bill. The first Alliance tour launched with the 2004 Slipknot team-up. It did not take off as an annual affair, but continued intermittently through Unholy Alliance 3 in 2008. And with a little over 40 shows played in two dozen countries, that was the end of the year for Slayer. Aside, side note, 2008 also saw the release of rapper Ill Bill's album, The Hour of Reprisal. It features a song called UBS, parentheses, Unauthorized Biography of Slayer, end parentheses, end quote. UBS is, bar none, the best rap song about Slayer. He also has one, uh, it's kind of a song has a track about Paul Bailoff, too. If you like rap and you don't know Ill Bill, check him out. Album title again was The Hour of Reprisal, which of course was a nod to Raining Blood. This album also featured Larry Carroll's first album artwork outside of Slayer. And that's the end of 2008. Next year, next week, next year, I got three words for you. I think you hear me knocking. I think I'm coming in. Next time, World Painted Blood. Thank you for listening to Talkin' Slayer, 
a podcast and half-assed audio book by your pal Ferris. To support the show and learn more, visit patreon.com slash slayerbook. S-L-A-Y-E-R-B-O-O-K. Patreon.com slayerbook. No S on the end. Credits and crucial thanks. Podcast artwork is by Jason Shank of Midwest Authenticity Consultants. Unless otherwise noted, all the rad music is by Nige Savage, the aggressive perfecter, also of the awesome UK thrash band Chupacabra. Check them out. From the hit podcast Spanking It with Julio, the producer is Mitch Kramer, the spirit in black. The dog is Wolfie. Audio technical consultants are Matt Wardlaw, the tormentor. Forrest Gabbage of Southbound Tracks, codenamed Gemini. Jessica Baxter of the Paid in Puke podcast. And Stargate Pioneer and everyone at the Gunna Geek Network. Consultant for audiovisual affairs and Irish history is James Ferris of Massive Media. The beta test group is Vince Bloom, Craig Cohen, Steve O, your older brother Sam, Bruno McDonald, Jason Pettigrew, Outer Nowhere, Sue Madre, and Mike Olszewski. The Slatanic archivists are Jamie Walters, Tony Alberts, Spar Schmidt, Chris Bade, Paul from Dropgun, Paul from Slayerized, and Nicholas, the Slayer Collector. Ongoing thanks to metal mentors and radio dudes, including but not limited to Ed Rohr, Brian Biggs, Randy Fox, and Dean B. True. Additional Shingy, courtesy Captain Shum and the Concerned Party Lembe Squad. Expert consultation by Nate Runkle, the Catalyst, also of Yo, That's My John, good show. Howard H. Smith of Acid Rain and Talking Bullocks, a.k.a. the Captor of Sin. No friender of the Thrash Metal Show and the When It Was Cool Podcast Network. And Ryan J. Downey, the Ghost of War, also of the Speak and Destroy podcast. Thanks, I heartians, I heartians all, a lot. Partial list of people that I wish were still here. Sumner J. Ferris, Nora Ferris, Vera Lehane, Ron Forsyth, Lori Martin, Audrey Sapizzi, Don Olszewski, and Tom Morrissey. Jeff Hanneman too, obviously, but I did not know him personally. If you have a different opinion, you are right and I am wrong. If you have questions or you want to rap, you can find me online. At Twitter, I am SlayerBook, no S. On Insta, I am SlayerBooks, with an S on the end. On Facebook, SlayerBook, no S. Buy the book and you can find an email address in it. The book, Slayer 66 and Two Thirds, a metal band biography, the 2023 postmortem update, is published by 6623 Press. It is a very reasonably priced paperback and a very cheap Kindle ebook. 6623 Press makes useful, reasonably priced, unconventional, creator-owned books about popular culture, success, and other cool stuff. This podcast is a production of 6623 Press and Mostly Things. The easiest place to find my books is Amazon, but select retailers have them too. If you're a retailer and you don't have them, but you want them, hit me up. Thank you for listening. More next time. Peace.
power off.